Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome. Let's start with the Marxist Dems continuing persecution of President Trump, who, by the way, has to be the most popular president in modern history, two years after leaving office. His numbers are up 25 points over Governor Ron DeSantis in all of the latest polls in a field of wannabe challengers. And wannabe tough guy, Marxist Dem Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, coming up empty and lost. Bragg shut down his grand jury, giving them a whole month off, he says. He has no case against President Trump, never had a case. But the Soros-created and backed Bragg pressed ahead anyway, even after his star witness, Michael Cohen, was dismantled by the testimony of one of Cohen's former lawyers, the well-known New York power attorney, Robert Costello. The DA's office, not happy. And all of them know there is no case. Trump supporter and ally Congressman Matt Gates going after the oh-so-woke trans booster Pentagon officials. Here's Congressman Gates introducing the ever-woke Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to the facts of the matter when it comes to Secretary Austin's support of drag queens on military bases. How much taxpayer money should go to fund drag queen story hours on military bases? You know, drag, drag queen story hours is not something that uh, the department funds. Wait a second. That's actually not what the record seems to suggest. You were going to fund one at Ramstein Air Force Base. That one got canceled, but that's DOD insignia. That's a drag queen story hour for children. Then also at uh, Malstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls, Montana, you had a, a drag queen story hour for kids. At the Joint Base Langley Eustis, you put on a drag queen story hour on a Saturday for the first ever kid-friendly diversity, equity, inclusion summer festival. And at Nellis Air Force Base, you had the drag you Nellis on June 17th. Who funded these things, Mr. Secretary? Listen, uh, drag shows and, uh, are not something that the Department of Defense uh, supports or funds. So. Wait, why, why are they happening on military bases? I just, I just showed you the evidence. Why are they happening? I will say again. This is not something that we support or fund. Well, you, so you think hosting a drag queen story hour on a military base isn't supporting the drag queen story hour? I stand by what I just said. But, but you may stand by it, but it's belied by the evidence over and over again. I mean, are, 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 are you aware of the uh, piece? Uh, Biden's military, Air Force Base in Montana, holds drag show, drag queen story hour for kids in the Western Journal. Are you aware of that? Again, I will but, say what I've said yeah, before. You're saying what you're saying, but I guess it just doesn't comport with the facts.
Gates, as you heard, blasting the defense secretary and the Pentagon's priority on outrageous woke nonsense rather than on meeting recruitment goals and combat readiness. Congressman Gates also wants our troops out of Somalia, and he's introduced a resolution to bring our troops home. Gates is none too pleased as well that the FBI, that has been a big part of the political persecution of President Trump over the past seven years, Gates also is none too pleased that the FBI has been a big part of the political persecution of President Trump over the past seven years. And the congressman is trying to prevent the FBI from building a new headquarters in D.C. that would cost more than $350 million and Congressman Matt Gates is our guest today. Congressman Gates, great to have you with us. The FBI wants a building to compete with the Pentagon. Are you kidding me? You don't think they should have any such thing, do you? Well, Lou, what I can tell you is that the evidence we have developed in the Weaponization Subcommittee tells a pretty clear story about what's happening in the FBI. Out in the country, in you know Wichita, in Miami, uh, the FBI agents are largely fulfilling their duty to follow the facts and the law to uh, prevent crimes when they're able and to prosecute crimes when necessary. And inside of Washington, D.C., it's a very different FBI. It's an FBI focused on politics. We've seen Inspector General's reports that members of the mainstream media wine and dine FBI officials and, and even DOJ officials to try to get scoops and to try to weaponize leaks, particularly against conservatives and anyone close to President Trump. We've also seen that within the Washington field office of the FBI, there's a real effort to cook the books on domestic violence extremism data. They've tried to pressure other field offices to reclassify cases that could normally easily be disposed of as domestic violent extremism, or even when they targeted school board parents that emerged out of the Washington field office and the head shed. A lot of the bad things that Andy McCabe did that you've covered extensively during the Russia hoax emerged out of the Washington field office. And so this is a case where we've got to cut the head off of the snake. We've actually got to get more of the decisions regarding the FBI made under the U.S. attorneys that are confirmed by the Senate where there's some semblance of accountability. And Nancy Pelosi, in one of her final acts, authorized a brand new $325 million FBI complex in the Washington, D.C. area, a building bigger than the Pentagon. So, I mean, the FBI has a workforce about 2% the size of the Department of Defense, and yet they want a bigger headquarters. I think that's because they want to insource a lot of the human resources to the swamp, and they want to get people focused on politics, not the facts and the law. So some of my Republican colleagues and I are taking the stand that we ought to claw back those funds. They have not been expended. We ought to claw them back. We ought to not fund any of this weaponized government where we, if we're able to correctly assess where the rot is coming from and in all the research we've done uh, the, and the research, frankly, we're still developing, the real bad action is at the Washington field office. And the real question is whether or not we're going to use the power of the purse. I think we have to use these tools that we got during the speaker's contest in January to zero out bureaucrats, to claw back funds and to defang this weaponized government.
Well, I have to say that this is just stunning to hear the comparison between the Pentagon and the proposed building for the new building for the FBI. And it sounds like it was a last minute thought from the outgoing Speaker of the House to do so. Is there just out of well, just to sort of round out our knowledge, because I have to say I, I have no idea. Uh, as to whether or not there are blueprints for this, how long this has been, uh, the building uh, has been in in the works, as it were. Uh, is there such a square footage blueprint uh, layout for this uh, proposed new building? So they do have the plans for it, and that was part of their appropriations request. But I don't believe that uh, the there's any sort of... Uh, uh, land that's been fully acquired and entitled to be able to do the building. So legally, we would be able to claw back the funds. Um, but this is a really troubling trend to try to get more decisions made inside of Washington. Uh, I was troubled when I heard whistleblowers come forward from other field offices in other parts of the country to say, look, you know, we were out there doing our work, chasing the bad guys down, trying to stop violent crime. And every time we turned around, the Washington field office was trying to get us to go after somebody because they happened to be in the Washington vicinity on January 6th, even though there was no predicate that that person may have even committed a crime or, or done anything violent or illegal. Um, they tried to get different field offices to go and look at these school board parents. They tried to get field offices where there might be one network where there's concern about extremism. And the Washington field office would say, well, don't just evaluate that one network under one case. Go open separate cases under each of the individuals who were members of that network. So they would create the illusion or the veneer that there was this great problem of domestic violence extremism everywhere emanating from the country. And the reality was it was a political outcome that folks in Washington wanted to achieve to try to fan the flames around that issue set. And they were asking people to do improper and unjust things. And I'm glad that some of those whistleblowers have come forward to share those stories. But of course, you see what the Democrats do to them. The Democrats have, have leaked information, tried to smear our whistleblowers, and they've tried to deter other people from coming forward and telling the truth about a variety of injustices persecuted by the FBI. And so I've said to my Republican colleagues that we shouldn't even allow the Democrats in the transcribed interviews and the depositions if their entire purpose for being there is to disrupt the investigation and limit our investigative tools going forward. And that's not unprecedented because during the January 6th investigation, Nancy Pelosi kicked off Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. So if that's the way the Democrats are going to play, I think that we ought to be allow them to ask questions during the open hearings, but to let them be a part of the investigative work that goes behind on behind the scenes has proven to be unwise. Congressman, I couldn't agree with you more and uh, about it being unwise. Uh, and I hope uh, that your message to your colleagues in the Republican Party is being heard loud and clear, because I think most of the people listening to your voice right now believe Matt Gates is 100 percent correct. They would love to see the Democrats not be leaking this information, not being an uh, impediment uh, to what you all are accomplishing. And I'm talking about the Republicans in the 118th Congress with these uh, committees 
that are investigating, as you said, weaponization, uh, investigating uh, the Biden corruption. Uh, it's just extraordinary the, the the task you have before you. Uh, and all I can say it's is task, Lou, but it's also a lot of evidence. You know, we yes. have just uh, really, I think, got a, a big breakthrough by going into the bank records of some of these pass through corporations that the Biden family used to launder Chinese cash into their own bank accounts. Because the truth is, Lou, a lot of these businesses that were funneling that Chinese cash had no other business purpose. That the, the entire point of some of these shell companies was just to use Chinese money to buy influence with the Biden family and to compromise the Biden family against our country. And when you see those bank records, it, it's a telling story. And then we've also got evidence that the Bidens weren't only being protected at times by the FBI with people like Tim Tebow and others deeming anything derogatory about the Biden family as Russian disinformation so that it wouldn't be further developed. But they even had a mole inside the FBI. They even had uh, this person called uh, One Eye who would steer Hunter Biden and the Biden family away from where the investigations into the Chinese Communist Party were going. And if you if you believe this uh, evidence, as I clearly do, and as it as it sets forward quite squarely, you have to wonder, OK, well, then what was the Chinese Communist Party buying? What were they getting as a consequence? And I am very concerned that one of Joe Biden's first actions when he became president was to dissolve President Trump's China initiative at the Department right. of Justice. And, and for the listeners who are unaware of it, the China initiative was a specialized group that looked at the consolidated strategy of the Chinese Communist Party to compromise academicians, politicians, business leaders, all to, to harm our nation. And that resulted in prosecutions. It resulted in convictions. It had a deterrent effect because then they knew somebody was after them and Joe Biden dissolved it. And you have to wonder if that was the real damning quid pro quo cash to the Bidens in exchange for uh, them having moles in the organization and for them uh, being able to uh, really sell out the country. Yeah, there is that, and there is also the fact that the the Biden administration is selling our crude oil from our strategic petroleum reserves, for whatever reason, uh, into Chinese-owned companies, Chinese state-owned companies, either directly or indirectly, without purpose. He's drawn down 40% of the strategic petroleum reserves. They're at levels not seen in uh, almost a half century and to what purpose? It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, as you say, there are a lot of questions here. There appears to be an FBI that is rotten to the core working with an administration uh, that is rotten to the core as well. Uh, give us your your judgment, if you will, just how courageous the GOP is going to be in continuing this charge against a an administration the Biden regime, which looks to be corrupt from top to bottom and throughout. Here's the way I think about it as we have this discussion in March. We worked very hard at the beginning of January to develop an exquisite toolkit to be able to change this town, to go after the bureaucrats, to expose the weaponization, to reduce spending levels, to secure the border. These were tools that I have not had in my 
time during the Nancy Pelosi speakership, during even the Paul Ryan speakership, right? They wanted all the power centralized in the special interests and the lobbyists often reflected by a speaker who was just a masthead for those America last interests. And so we said, no, we're going to have the ability, any member to zero out a specific bureaucrat's budget, which is exactly what we should do at the ATF, first and foremost. We're going to have a weaponization subcommittee that goes after these very things. And you're starting to see the work that we've done on the censorship industrial complex and uh, what uh, the government is doing to even limit what people can hear regarding the Bidens and the truth. Uh, and we also... You know, demanded specific votes on specific pieces of legislation. And you know what? We probably aren't going to pass them all. We might not pass term limits. We might not pass the border bills we actually need to solve the problem. But if we can try and fail for 14 votes to elect a Speaker of the House, we can try time and time and again to get this government reined in, to get our border secure, and to change the corruption in Washington by passing important bills like term limits. And, and if we use those tools, then the answer to your question is yes. But if all we do is sit around patting ourselves on the back and admiring the fact that we for once stood up at the beginning of January, then we will be part of the problem and part of the swamp. And that is what, what I am trying to do to hold together the courageous conservatives uh, that are in the House of Representatives so that so that that courage can be contagious to others and so that it can be necessary and required for Kevin McCarthy to continue to gavel us in uh, to House business each and every day as our speaker. And McCarthy has been largely faithful to his commitments to this point, but the big fights are ahead, Lou. And the problem with what Nancy Pelosi and the Senate Republicans did during the lame duck Congress is they pushed a lot of these fights later because they passed that terrible omnibus spending legislation. So my organizing principle is we will never govern by omnibus again. And what we really need to do uh, is fight on the debt limit, fight on the border, fight for election integrity, and let the chips fall where they may. But I, I am yet to – I cannot issue a verdict at this moment as to whether or not we have been worthy of the trust that's been placed in us because we got to take these tools out of the toolbox and we got to put them to use for the American people. Well, I have to say I'm encouraged listening to to your plan, your uh, your operating principles uh, and first principles. Uh, when you go to the, for example, the $325 million of the FBI building, that sounds like a Nancy Pelosi payoff to the permanent bureaucracy, the deep state, uh, for their collusion uh, with the Democratic Party and going after uh, President Trump and others uh, throughout the past seven years. Seven years of political persecution. They get a new building uh, in Washington, D.C., which, frankly, I think has to be one of the last necessary <laughs> uh, building projects in the Capitol, perhaps now, everything why else. Why don't we actually abolish some of these agencies and rent their buildings out for commercial office space? We could probably start with the Department of Education, the Department of Labor, the EPA. And uh, instead of building new buildings in Washington, why don't we clear out some of the ones we have? I'm I I couldn't be uh, more and more in agreement. I couldn't cheer louder for you on that idea, and for whatever building uh, is rented first, I think it should be renamed the Gates Building. Uh, maybe the entire the entire <laughs> project, uh, but I think that's a wonderful idea. Let me let me turn to something because you're talking about real world problems. Let me give you an example of some real world problems uh, as we look at with the testimony of Matt uh, Taibbi. 
the journalist uh, with the the Twitter files. We know what has been happening. Uh, every quarter of the government seems to be in some sort of collusion or uh, arrangement uh, with uh, Twitter, with uh, with uh, whatever the social media outlet is. Facebook mentioned prominently amongst those, uh, along with Twitter. It's outrageous what the FBI is doing, and they are intimidating. They are basically laying down uh, the principles by which these social media companies will give any kind of uh, constitutional right to their constitutional rights. Uh, freedom of speech is, doesn't exist as far as social media and the FBI and DOJ are concerned. I want to give you a real-world example. Our producer of this podcast the other day just found out that the, one of the visitors to his LinkedIn account was the FBI. I've been told by a source that the FBI is monitoring, monitoring us live, that is, continuously uh on this podcast. The That's got to drive up your listenership. I, I hope they also listen to Firebrand, my podcast. Well, we'll talk a lot about we're, them. We're going to recommend that to them as well. Uh, I have to say, it's the idea of intimidation uh, yes. that is outrageous. There was, there was a time, this didn't start until the, and this is not po partisan politics, folks, but this truly didn't happen with journalists. Uh, to my knowledge, except under the Obama administration, where they went after people like my former colleague, James Rosen, and, and a lot of other uh, journalists during that period from 2008 through 2016. Now it rears its head again with the FBI here uh, under the Trump administration when they were going after a president. Uh, and now uh, they they don't even blink at the eye of uh, trying to intimidate us. You mentioned uh, the ATF earlier. Uh, I'm talking to uh, the folks down in uh, Smyrna, Georgia, where the uh, Outdoor Adventure uh, Adventures Gun Shop is. Uh, they had 16 agents show up. I mean, there is intimidation from nearly every quarter of this government in some fashion. Uh, whether it's the the FTC uh, even trying to uh, intimidate the world's wealthiest man at Twitter. It just goes on and on. What can you do about that in real-world terms uh, and, and to deal with what is a contemporaneous problem? Well, you and I both know that what Republicans do too often is have a hearing where we yell at people and then there is no follow-through. I believe we have to use the power of the purse to defund these entities, to, to choke off the oxygen stream to them. And then I think we have to limit their authorities. And you can't just do one of those things, right? If you just limit the authorities, they violate them. We've already seen Inspector General reports showing that the ATF kept 250 million records that they had no legal authority to keep. And they had to destroy them because they were operating outside the law. Now, compare that to how they treat our fellow Americans. If they find someone out of some technical compliance with some promulgated rule, they have a zero-tolerance policy. And they go after people who have no intention of violating any law. And yet, when they break the law, it's give us more power, give us more people, and give us more money. One, this is a little wonky, Lou, but you've you got a sophisticated audience. One of the things that we got in the concessions with McCarthy, 
the ability to name a bureaucrat, list their salary, and defund that specific salary in the appropriations process. Now, that hasn't happened the whole time I've been here in Congress because they just dropped some multi-thousand page bill on our desk with a few hours to read it before taking a vote. But being able to evaluate these things individually with a high level of scrutiny will allow us to make some of the worst actors in this bureaucracy very famous by highlighting their illegal activity, and then second, to zero out their compensation so the taxpayers aren't paying for some corrupt bureaucracy to attack them. Well, that that sounds great. Now, is that is that something that you can do uh, relatively quickly and without uh, a, a vote from the Senate? Well, I uh, I believe that we should pass our budget and put demands on the Senate. I was in the state legislature, Lou, where sometimes the House won, sometimes the Senate won. Seems like in Congress, like the Senate always wins every time. So I actually think that we can use our leverage more effectively with the Senate, uh, and it would require their their concurrence with the overall budget deal. But you know what? If John Tester, who's up for election, if Joe Manchin, if they want to go vote for these specific bureaucrats when we go and lay out what those folks have done, then probably their constituents are going to hold them accountable for that in the upcoming elections. So I'm not, I'm pretty bullish about being able to get some of these senators who are in cycle in states where the second amendment is highly, highly valued. And you've got woke topian bureaucrats that are offending the second amendment with their conduct. And so, so that's what it would require when it comes to the timing of it. I have been told that I am a very impatient person in this town and that, and that patience would be <laughs> a virtue of mine. I, I wish we were already right now voting on appropriations bills on the floor individually, combing through them. Today, the only vote, we took two votes the entire day today. One of them was on whether or not we were going to take another vote. And the second vote was about the rules for the vote we're going to take tomorrow. Now they're all day. So, uh, you know, I think we need to pick up the pace a little bit, but I'm told that that process is just dating. <laughs> it's just dating. The process to get rid of the process is just dating. Right. I, I love that, man. I just love that. Let me say this, Congressman. The president of the United States the other day, a week ago, uh, started talking about shutting down the Second Amendment and to uh, basically be sure that you take away the guns of, uh, of citizens who are somewhat dependent on that Second Amendment because they love guns, they love to hunt, they love to shoot, and it's their right. And now we've got a two-bit impaired puppet president talking big uh, when he's not talking about ice cream. What in the world can we do about that? It's a real shame that law-abiding gun owners seem to be the boogeyman every time there's a, a terrible event. We have many millions of law-abiding gun owners in this country, and they actually make communities more safe, not less safe. And uh, with this tragic event in Nashville, you've got a lot of folks in Washington wringing their hands, but I'm not entirely sure that a gender dysphoric, mentally ill individual on some sort of a vengeance spree um, is a justification to turn against law-abiding people who hunt and fish and who keep firearms for sport and for personal protection, which is entirely allowed. And one thing, Lou, this is going to sound a little bit geographically bigoted, 
Mm. It really gets me when these lawmakers from Rhode Island and Delaware and the, the Northeast always want to be the ones limiting the gun rights of people in the South and the Midwest and in the wide open spaces of our country. There's just like a certain arrogance to that that has always graded me. Yeah, and, and it should, I think. I and I don't see that as bigotry. I think it's a recognition that uh, that there is a uh, homogeneity to our, uh, our, uh, our, our great republic and its federalist system. States and states' rights have important meaning yes. because each state is not the same, and each population has different demands, different challenges, different opportunities in point of fact, and as you say, geographically, greater space within which to enjoy, if you will, uh, those, uh, those rights, and particularly among those rights, uh, the Second Amendment. You know, the shooter's mom, you mentioned the tragedy, the sickening, horrible tragedy in, uh, in Nashville, the shooting of these children. Uh, and the reflex again from the left is, oh, we've got to, we've got to take away guns. This transgender shooter shows up with at least two, uh, two AR-15s uh, and, and apparently a pistol. Who knows what the rest of the weapons are that she owns? But we do know that her mother is an anti was an anti gun activist, and here she's showing up with with all of this. She was mentally ill to begin with, and then with her own mother worrying more about guns than the illness it appears of her daughter. What we're dealing with here is mental illness in nearly every one of these cases, and people want to want to take away the Second Amendment rights of millions of Americans. This is a form of madness in and of itself, don't you think? Indeed, and it seems to be the people who are at times utilizing guns most responsibly who get most punished by these actions. Think about the pistol brace rule. There are a lot of disabled veterans in my district who have better mental health, who have a, a higher morale because they're able to get out and engage in sports shooting, and many of them need the assistance of a pistol brace. But because some people didn't like it in the with green eye shades and the bowels of the ATF and some windowless cubicle, they promulgated a rule without even legal authority to ban those pistol braces. And part of the work that we've got to do very quickly in the House of Representatives is repeal that ban uh, because we're punishing people who often utilize guns in, in the most responsible, most appropriate way. But there is one place, Lou, where the Biden administration has no problem sending guns and weapons, and that's abroad. Would you mind if I took just a moment on your show uh, to share my perspective on the Biden administration and Somalia? Absolutely. So, Lou, President Trump took the 700 Americans out of Somalia, realizing that 700 people isn't enough to get the job done. And in many cases, it was inflaming tensions and not creating more stability. It wasn't enough to win, but we certainly don't want Americans sitting ducks and targets anywhere in the world. And one of the first acts Joe Biden did was put 500 American troops back in Somalia. So Somalia is a country of about 7 million people, and there's about Five to 7,000 hardened al-Shabaab terrorists there. And my view is that a country of 7 million ought to be able to deal with that. And if they can't, 
500 American troops isn't going to be the difference one way or the other. We are not months or even years away from turning Somalia into some sort of Jeffersonian democracy <laughs> uh, guiding light of Africa. That's just not how it works over there. And so I am looking at places all over the world, uh, Syria, uh, Somalia, where we are engaged in misadventurism without clear focus. And that drains our talent and our resources and our treasure away from the real fight that matters, which is the fight against the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party right now is in the middle of a leveraged buyout of the Russian Federation. Uh, Putin is essentially a dog on a leash for Xi, and Xi is preparing to invade Taiwan and destabilize all of Asia. Meanwhile, we're fiddling around in Somalia uh, with you know, trying to answer some Georgetown Foreign Service uh, essay exam about great power competition and democracy promotion. So I filed legislation uh, just moments ago that will withdraw U.S. troops from Somalia, and uh, within 18 legislative days, the House is required to take a vote on that. Uh, I predict that I will likely lose that vote, but I think it's important to make people go on the record regarding these conquests all over the world. Win or lose that vote, uh, God bless you for doing so. You couldn't be more right, and you know that. Uh, there's just no, this is no time in our, in our history for the United States to not be putting America first. Uh, as a, a former president, soon to be future president uh, uh, once said. I, I just want to close by saying we've got some very good news for everyone. The president's popularity has, is at the highest level. This is my research, but at the highest level of any four-term president, uh, some two years distance from his presidency. Uh, it's really extraordinary, and those numbers are rising. Uh, it looks like the American people are getting ready to speak again. Uh, your thoughts as we conclude here, uh, Matt Gates, Congressman of the great state of Florida. I was in Waco recently, and it was one of the most energetic Trump rallies I've been to in many years. President Trump has got focus. He understands why this is the moment for someone with the experience and the drive and the resolve and the, and the vision, really the vision, uh, to be back in at the helm of our country. Uh, I don't believe that the real conflict is between Donald Trump and the other Republicans running. The real conflict is between the American people and a corrupt system in Washington that has trampled on us for decades. And Donald Trump is our champion and our warrior. And I think he's going to do a great job when he's reelected as president. And really, it's about getting the people back in the room when the decisions are made, not the corrupt influences of this town. And with all due respect to the other Republicans that are running for president and thinking about running for president, this is Trump time. He's our man. And uh, this is his fight to win. Well said. God bless. Did I mention amen? Thanks, Congressman Matt Gates. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being with us here on The Great America Show. Thank you, my friend. Always good chatting. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Here tomorrow, Russ Vogt, former OMB director and now the president of the Center for Renewing America. Please be with us here tomorrow. Till then, thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.